This is District Sentinel Radio. It's the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. And we are broadcasting out of Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. We've got the garbage can coming out at the end of the show. Got a new FOIA request and a FOIA update to talk about in our FOIA Follies segment. We're recording this show on Friday, and we've got the old Friday news dump coming in a uh, sort of unique form. Joe Biden doing a fist bump with Mohammed bin Salman in Saudi Arabia on Friday. He's going through his uh, trip through the Middle East, and uh, he is meeting with MBS uh, today, Friday. He was in uh, Israel earlier, where he triumphantly declared Jerusalem the capital of Israel, continuing a pretty... Uh, inflammatory Trump policy of endorsing uh, Israel's claim that Jerusalem is the capital. I think he tried to express some sort of solidarity with the Palestinian people by bringing up his Irish heritage. Yeah, he did do that. If I were the Irish, I would be scared because it sounds like he's ready to recognize uh, the British claim on Dublin. (laughs) Biden is just a giant cuck and he should have use this opportunity to uh, normalize relations with Iran, say that, you know what, if you build a bomb, we don't care because we can't guarantee uh, uh, that Republicans will respect the deal. Um, But bring all the Iranian oil onto the market. Bring all the Venezuelan oil onto the market. Like, why... I mean, we know why he's doing this. Dark Dark Brandon would have met with the Iranians and cut a secret deal to help them seek retribution on uh, Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo for uh, the assassination of General Qasem Soleimani. That's right. He would have Maybe turned he, over. He would have <laughs> extradited. He'd have turned over Trump and Pompeo to the Iranians. And maybe he could have also... Uh turned over John Bolton to the Venezuelans for Bolton openly admitting that he planned the coup in Venezuela in those terms, more or less. Yes. (laughs) Meanwhile, back here in Congress, Joe Manchin is at it again. Democrats are feeling him out to see if he'll support measures to fight climate change. And he won't. He's saying he wants to see another month of inflation numbers before he's willing to pass any new spending bills. He said he will support a bill to negotiate Medicare drug prices, which would save $280 billion. What to do with that savings? Well, he wants to put $240 billion and just burn it into debt reduction. (laughs) Democrats are getting a little annoyed with him. Senator uh, Martin Heinrich tweeted out in response to this news that Manchin will not support new climate measures. Quote, we have an opportunity to address the climate crisis right now. Senator Manchin's refusal to act is infuriating. It makes me question why he's chair of the Energy and Natural Resources Committee. Just now, just now you are questioning this. I think Heinrich's the first Democrat who has questioned 
uh, Manchin's gavel. And I know that, and Bernie's not a Democrat technically, and I know Bernie's criticized Manchin, but I don't think he's ever called for having the gavel taken away from him. He's in the caucus, though, Bernie is. It's, um, yeah, you know, what, apples and oranges, really. Still, the point but is, yeah, he, it's taken this long for someone to suggest taking away Joe Manchin's gavel? Come on. Yeah, it's it, it's especially ridiculous because uh, Manchin claims uh, to care about both the deficit and inflation, and he also very explicitly opposes tax increases on the rich, which, if you've taken, uh, you know, a course of economics, if you will, you know that that would go toward reducing both the deficit and inflationary pressures. It's almost as though there's something else motivating Joe Manchin when it comes to opposing climate measures. The fact that he uh, benefits from burning coal personally uh, through through the company Enter Systems. Yeah, that's probably it. I, I, I mean, people are correct to point out that he is the top recipient for uh dirty dirty energy co- campaign contributions but i feel like you don't e- don't even point that out point out that he is ma- he is basically a millionaire because of coal <laughs> and it's not just burning coal it's like th- the most disgusting byproduct of coal Cola, what's it called? Gob. It's Job. (laughs) (laughs) This man is gobbing on our our planet. Other Democrats realize there's no hope to pass any climate change measure as long as uh, they have to rely on Joe Manchin. They're calling on Joe Biden to use executive authority and declare a national emergency over climate change, which is absolutely what Joe Biden should do even if it would get struck down by the courts in two seconds. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, Gob is also called Colm, C-U-L-M, Colm. There's a Scrabble word for you. Coal waste, bony, slate. Gob, by the way, is a, uh, uh, what, what are those words called? The, the acronyms that you can pronounce, that, that an acronym that's a word. It means garbage of bituminous. <laughs> Calm sounds like the way weird Twitter would spell cum. <laughs> it does. Uh, it absolutely does. Moving on. Ken Klippenstein over at The Intercept had a pretty explosive joint drop on Thursday. Turns out the Secret Service has deleted... Crucial text messages from January 5th and January 6th. This is according to a letter from the Department of Homeland Security's Inspector General. The uh, Oversight Office requested Secret Service's electronic communications. And that's when the Secret Service said they don't have them because uh, they were deleted during some sort of device replacement program. Hmm. Device replacement program, huh? You know, it uh 
can't explain this in his story. And uh, this is the first time that it seemed like there's been any sort of method to the madness on January 6th. And the Secret Service were a crucial part of this, which is that they could have whisked Mike Pence away, taken him, and, and that's what they were trying to do, and Pence would not go with them. And that would have inevitably delayed the uh, certification ceremony. Now, I'm not saying that Pence being rushed off to Andrews Air Force Base would have immediately led to uh, Trump retaining the presidency. But it does sort of seem like that It would have delayed things. It would have cast things into more doubt. It would have given them time to uh, try to rally reactionary forces. And the chaos and the crowds and the uh, seeming disorganization of it all, it makes a little more sense in this context. Yeah, I mean, they might have been kind of winging it the day of. I mean, it it certainly seems like Trump's plan was claim the election was stolen. Step one. Step two, you know, motivate all his supporters to come to Washington, D.C. with guns and shit and storm the Capitol. Step two. And then something happens in step three. And I'm not sure that like Trump or his inner circle fully understood what would happen. They probably had, uh, they gamed out all sorts of scenarios, like from, um, you know, there just being a crowd at the Capitol and Trump arrives at the Capitol and the Republican senators all step up and Mike Pence gives into the pressure and like, throws out the electoral electoral votes to there's actual violence and the Capitol gets stormed. And if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. But there is giant question marks in step three and then step four, Trump stays in power. Like there was seemed to be, you know, a, a, a black box as to how you'd get from step two to step four. Um, yeah. And I think there are interesting questions of what role Capitol Police and Secret Service might have played in that step three part in facilitating either the mob coming into the Capitol or getting Mike Pence away from the Capitol in some form to prevent the counting of electoral college votes. So, like, I, you know, there's there's still a lot more information to be recovered, to be investigated that this committee or the Department of Justice uh, should pursue. Uh, There's been a reluctance to go after police misbehavior by the January 6th committee so far. Hard to ignore this story, though, of the Secret Service deleting these messages, especially in the context of the story of Mike Pence and the Secret Service wanting to take him away and the story of Trump you know, wanting to commandeer the vehicle with the Secret Service to go to the Capitol. I mean, maybe there was a conversation in there like, you know, Mr. President, we don't need to go to the Capitol. We're going to try and get Mike Pence out of the Capitol. And if that was a plan, then there's communications about that because they were moving on the fly sort of as this stuff was going on. So it's awfully strange that those Mm. communications don't exist anymore. 
Like you, you would probably want to preserve communications from January 6th just to like, assuming nothing was like going on, like assuming there wasn't a conspiracy, but you'd want to preserve those just to learn from the occasion, know how like security protocols broke down or, uh, you know, preserved or maintained themselves or didn't break down. All sorts of reasons, but there didn't seem to be any care whatsoever about preserving the chain of communications that day. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's possible as well that part of the plan was, uh, uh, or part of the possibilities, the realm of possibilities that they were hoping for was the mob to uh, go around and maybe start killing lawmakers. I mean, I know that when some of the images were happening on the day, I was thinking like, oh God, they're going to go and, um, you know, go after the, the, the most left-wing lawmakers they can find. Um, wasn't so concerned about the Mike Pence gallows or anything like that, but um, that is frightening in the possibility of, um, uh, uh, in the reporting about Trump and his inner circle discussing um, declaring a national emergency. And, you know, he imagine a situation in which a few dozen lawmakers were, were executed and the government can't function. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe my imagination is uh, is running a little too wild here. It was it was nice to see this week, by the way, uh, related to something else you said. It was nice to see this week that uh, AOC ripped on her own party for just like ignoring the fact that the Capitol Police let this shit happen. And this this was in the context of some random uh, weirdo harassing her on the Capitol steps, and 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 Capitol Police not really doing anything about it. Anyway, moving on, Bank of America agreed to pay $225 million in fines to settle charges that it illegally denied unemployment benefits during the height of the pandemic. The company was penalized by both the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency. The reason why the bank was penalized, it was contracted by several states to provide prepaid debit cards with unemployment benefits. As unemployment spiked in the summer of 2020, Bank of America set up a filter system to flag transactions as fraudulent with a low bar and no real recourse for appeals if the transactions were, in fact, not fraudulent. Under the Electronic Fund Transfer Act, banks must investigate claims of improper transaction denials in a prompt, reasonable, and timely manner. Here's what actually happened. This is from a, a news release put out by the CFPB on Thursday, and uh, this might make your blood boil just a little bit. Quote, people were on hold for hours every day for weeks trying to talk to someone at the bank. The bank told customers they had agents available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, when in fact it operated a more limited schedule for its claim call center because Bank of America was strongly was the strongly preferred preferred provider for California unemployment benefits, consumers were caught without any choice to switch providers. When consumers sought assistance, 
The bank often sent them back to the California State Unemployment Department for verification in order to regain access to their benefits, but the bank knew the department was stretched and unable to provide services. The bank met with the department dozens of times in the summer of 2020 and should have known it was essentially redirecting people into a black hole. Then there's this from the CFPB consent order. Before implementing the fraud filter, respondent knew or should have known that not all unemployment insurance benefit prepaid accounts meeting its fraud filter indicators would be fraudulent and therefore should be frozen. Indeed, in an in an internal September 2020 presentation, respondent acknowledged fraudulent determinations would require a detailed review of specific accounts, which, given the volume, is unmanageable. For notices of error meeting any of its fraud filter indicators, respondent continued with its nationwide strategy of automatically determining no error occurred and freezing the cardholder's unemployment insurance benefit prepaid debit card account based solely on the fraud filter from September 28, 2020 to March 17, 2021. Consumers whose unemployment insurance benefit prepaid debit card accounts respondent froze through its fraud filter went weeks and in some cases months without access to their unemployment insurance benefits. Some consumers whose prepaid card accounts respondent froze incurred late fees and interest charges on their other accounts and also missed phone and utility bill payments. Some consumers with frozen prepaid debit card accounts also faced other financial impacts, including foreclosure, eviction, and car repossession. So uh, these rubber stamp denials took place after 188,000 transactions. CNBC, which investigated the matter before the settlement, profiled three of these people whose benefits were denied. One was a single mother who raided her kid's piggy bank to survive. Another person recalled needing to leave a grocery store empty-handed after being rejected at the register. And another said he had to live in his car for a few weeks. Again, all thanks to uh, Bank of America that just wanted to rubber stamp these uh, supposedly fraudulent transactions and not look into them because it was cheaper, because they thought they could get away with it, probably because of the way this country uh, treats people with unemployment benefits. And we've seen the numerous stories of people tearing their shirts over uh, benefit fraud during the pandemic, and they haven't been doing that the same way over stories about uh, paycheck protection program fraud committed by respectable small business people. Fortunately, in the settlement, Bank of America agreed to pay back the people who were improperly denied benefits. Unfortunately, that money is not going to come from hog-tying Bank of America executives and allowing the bank's victims to go into their homes and uh, take whatever they want. Social safety net programs... The government just relies on the worst actors to administer them nowadays. I mean, even when it comes, I mean, basic healthcare system is relied on health insurance companies who make profit off denying healthcare. Here, uh, you're asking banks to administer a welfare program. Banks were also administering the PPP program, where they were able to skim off 
uh, fees off the top of each loan. We don't have a functioning state that can actually do things anymore. We just have uh, an organization that farms out contracts to private companies to administer uh, basic functions of the state. I, I believe there is a term for uh, when uh, state power and corporate power merge. Yes. That's, that's fascist. The Italians came up with it. <laughs> <laughs> Roll call flagged a report detailing defense spending projects Congress authorized above and beyond what the Pentagon even requested. This is a first of its kind report released by the Pentagon's comptroller that was mandated by last year's National Defense Authorization Act. Reading from the roll call report, quote, Defense Department appropriations legislation for the current fiscal year funded more than $58 billion worth of military projects that the administration did not request. The extra money also bankrolled billions of dollars in weapons the military did not seek, such as more than $4 billion worth of unrequested warships, many of them built by the constituents of senior appropriators. Uh, hmm. Some of these uh, spending projects, $1.8 billion to uh, begin buying a third destroyer, $776 million for a fleet of oiler, ref oiler refueling tanker ships, $590 million for an expeditionary fast transport ship, which is a high-speed cargo ship. There's a bunch of examples. The Air National Guard received $1.8 billion to buy 16 C-130J transport planes. Appropriators provided $900 million for a dozen Super Hornet fighter jets for the Navy. All stuff that was not requested. <laughs> so this is what it was fifty-eight billion above what was requested. Yes. W would you like to hear some of the agencies uh, whose budget is less <laughs> than fifty-eight billion? Yes, please. So, uh, Agency for International Development, uh, the EPA, <laughs> NASA, the FCC, the National Science Foundation. Um, the SEC, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the CFTC, uh, Peace Corps, FTC, that, yeah, it's the NLRB, which desperately needs money right now yes. to make sure that workers have their uh, rights protected. We just saw this week the NLRB uh, said that it was getting more petitions for union elections in the uh, first three quarters of the current fiscal year than it did all of the previous fiscal year. Yeah, it's basically uh, dealing with more union petitions, more labor violation complaints, and a smaller workforce than ever before. Can you imagine someone just giving you $58 billion that you don't even want? <laughs> I, g I have to admit, that would kind of whip. Yeah, you, you brought up NASA with a small budget, and we see what you know they're doing with the with the uh, James Webb Space Telescope photos this week that awed a lot of people, and also caused a lot of people anxiety just to think about the size of the universe. Um, I get that same anxiety thinking about the size of the Pentagon. Like it's just sums of money that are incomprehensible when you like put it in those terms, $58 billion more than all those agencies you mentioned. 
And that was just overcharges by Congress for shit the Pentagon didn't even ask for. Yeah. It's, um, man, NASA could do so much with that money. NASA's budget is, is, uh, $30 billion. 30.4 billion. Not only, oh man. Just give half to <laughs> the NLRB and off. half to NASA of that $58 billion. And uh, let's go about building uh, space communism. First, an update on our inquiry into how Jerome Powell, the chair of the Federal Reserve, has privately reacted to being accused of wokeness. Our investigation, believe it or not, has been mildly stonewalled. What are they hiding? Well, it's unclear. But the request from us was simple and clear in plain English. We wanted all of Powell's emails, outbox and inbox, with the term woke in it in a certain time frame. It's not a terribly hard query to run. But the Fed rejected it outright, claiming that it didn't count. I'm just going to read from their response here. To be considered a proper FOIA request, the board's rules regarding availability of information require that a FOIA request must include, quote, a description of the records that enables the board staff to identify and produce the records with reasonable effort and without unduly burdening or significantly interfering with any of the board's operations. Whenever possible, the request should include specific information about each record sought, such as the date, title, or name, author, recipient, and subject matter of the record. Your request for all emails sent or received by Chair Powell between October 1st, 2021 and June 10th, 2022, that contain the word woke does not meet this standard because it does not include a context or subject matter for the electronic search you are requesting and consequently, and consequently lacks the specificity necessary to allow board staff to identify and produce responsive records within reasonable effort and without interfering with the board's FOIA and program operations. Please note that the word woke could appear in a variety of contexts and it is not clear from your FOIA request which specific context or subject matter you are interested in. <laughs> Do they think we want Powell's dream journal or something? <laughs> Where have they been for the last two years? Additionally, rather than describing the specific communication you seek, you have simply provided a search instruction. In general, a FOIA petitioner cannot dictate the search terms for his or her FOIA request. Sorry, isn't isn't that the whole point? That we can do this? H how else am I supposed to tell you what records I want? Anyway, uh, continuing with the explanation here. As such, your request for all communications resulting from the search instructions you have provided does not constitute a proper FOIA request. Because your request does not comply with the requirements of Section 261.11b2 of the Board's rules, it is not considered to be a proper FOIA request and therefore will not be processed as written. Anyway, uh, they said that I could resubmit the request with more specificity, so I did. 
Here uh, is what I said, quote, please produce records of emails sent or received by Jerome Powell containing the words woke, wokeism or wokeness between April 1st, 2021 and July 11th, 2022 in the context of the public discussion alleging that wokeness has impacted the board's monetary policy and regulatory authorities. Wokeness is defined by the Cambridge Dictionary as, quote, a state of being aware, especially of social problems such as racism and inequality. See, see attached three dozen op-eds written by conservatives complaining about wokeness. Well, yes, I, I did also note to them that two separate newspapers, at least two separate newspapers, the Washington Examiner and the Wall Street Journal, uh, have criticized the Fed for its alleged wokeness, as have every Republican men- member of the Senate Banking Committee and Senator Romney from Utah. Also, Larry Summers, of course, and you won't believe this, former U.S. Representative Ron Paul. Incredible. <laughs> it was suggested to me by a Twitter acquaintance that the Fed rejected the initial request as improper because they don't want to respond to it. Well, we'll see if the stonewalling continues in the weeks to come. I mean, you were very specific in this latest request. Yes. Very specific. I I just don't know. Does like does Jerome Powell talk about when he woke up every day in emails? Are we supposed to believe that? Also, if so, what? So what if he was? Aren't I entitled to those records? If he's if he's sending those on his work email, then yes. <sighs> An update on another request for communications about baby formula from mid-February to mid-April involving the White House and officials from the Department of Agriculture who oversee nutritional assistance for infants. The point of this was to try to establish that the White House was well aware that the formula shortage would be severely exacerbated by the Abbott recall since the Department of Agriculture knew that is exactly what would happen and did happen. In June, Biden said he didn't know until April that about how bad the problem would be. And uh, we were just trying to shed more light on what he did or didn't know. Anyway, USDA responded to the request, noting that it had 39 pages of emails, but none were about baby formula. I don't know. Maybe it's uh, worth an appeal just to get a second opinion, but... I don't know. May as well, right? Yes. Finally, we filed a fresh request this week. Freshy. A freshy. You know who's not freshy? Ivana Trump. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> she died on Thursday, which means uh, she no longer has rights under the Privacy Act. That means we ask the FBI for any files that it may have on her. One possibility is that they have files on her uh, because of her initial move to the U.S. from the Eastern Bloc. Ivana, of course, uh, was from Czechoslovakia originally. But I'm more interested in some other things. For example... She was married to a former president who has had extensive legal trouble since entering politics. 
She's also the mother of said president's failed children who worked for him in politics. Don Jr. speaks Czech, believe it or not. Maybe they talked in Czech about some very sensitive things. I don't know. Maybe there was a wiretap. I don't know. (laughs) Ivana also claimed to be an informal advisor to President Trump and also appears to uh, have not been very keen on his reaction to the 2020 election. Maybe she talked to the feds? It's a possibility, considering that she divulged this interesting bit of information about Donald in 1990. This was as their marriage was publicly falling apart. She gave an interview to Vanity Fair's Marie Brenner, where she uh, said the following, quote, last April, perhaps in a surge of Czech nationalism, remember this is around the time that uh, the Eastern Bloc was falling apart, Ivana Trump told her lawyer, Michael Kennedy, that from time to time, her husband reads a book of Hitler's collected speeches. My New Order, which he keeps in a cabinet by his bed, contained Hitler's speeches from his earliest days up through the phony war of 1939 and reveal his extraordinary ability as a master propagandist. Here's more on uh, the interview from a 2015 Business Insider write-up as the Trump train gained momentum in the run-up to the Republican primary, of course. When Brenner asked Trump, Donald Trump this is, about how he came to possess Hitler's speeches, Trump hesitated and then said, who told you that? I don't remember, Brenner reportedly replied. Trump then recalled, actually, it was my friend Marty Davis from Paramount who gave me a copy of Mein Kampf, and he's a Jew. Brenner added that Davis did acknowledge that he gave Trump a book about Hitler. This is now Davis speaking, but it was my new order, Hitler's speeches, not Mein Kampf, Davis reportedly said. I thought he would find it interesting. I am his friend, but I'm not Jewish. After Trump and Brenner changed topics, Trump returned to the subject and reportedly said, if I had these speeches, and I'm not saying that I do, I would never read them. In the Vanity Fair article, Ivana Trump told a friend that her husband's cousin, John Walter, clicks his heels and says, Heil Hitler, when visiting Trump's office. (laughs) So yeah, Ivana (laughs) Ivana dead. Ivana Trump is dead at the age of 73. She died on Thursday, uh, and uh, the Privacy Act no longer applies to her, so FBI, dish the dirt. We're seeing some talk that a conspiracy might be afoot. Ivana Trump dead, (laughs) patriots in control. That's right. She uh, reportedly was found at the bottom of a staircase, and investigators have not suggested in their uh, interview to the media, interviews leaks, whatever. They have not suggested that they suspect any foul play. But uh, Don Jr. and Ivanka were supposed to be deposed by the New York Attorney General in one or another case. I don't know. I can't remember what. And uh, now they're delayed. So liberal Twitter uh, is going insane. (laughs) And fuck it. Why not? Let them. Is the, allegation, is the allegation they killed their own mother to avoid being deposed or to delay being deposed? <laughs> that I mean, that's a pretty uh, 
it's a pretty weak, uh, you know, motive, like a two week delay in, in a deposition. I don't know. Maybe she knew something. What I want to know is where was Hillary Clinton on Thursday? <laughs> All right. That is our FOIA Follies segment. Now time for the main event. Interns, bring out the garbage can. Speaking of Ivana Trump. <laughs> Go on. Ooh. Uh, so that's what embalming fluid smells like. Pretty bad. Pretty bad. Pretty bad. Okay, interns. That's good right there. Thank you so much. Garbage candidate number one, the anti-abortion freaks, which have just, they've gotten out of hand this week. There was the story of the 10-year-old in in Ohio who was raped and she became pregnant. And since Ohio outlawed abortion after the Dobbs decision, she couldn't seek this um, essentially life-saving medical care that she needed. So she had to go across the border to Indiana to get an abortion. Uh, a local news outlet in Indiana reported on this story earlier in the month. Joe Biden mentioned this story. Uh, conservative media didn't believe it existed. Not not just conservative, a lot of liberals too uh, said that this was a hoax. Uh, no way are ten year olds getting raped and impregnated, and if they were, they could get the health care they needed. No, turns out the story is one hundred percent true. But uh, just to go over some of the people who doubted it, the Wall Street Journal editorial board claimed it was a story that was too good to be true. Not sure what's good about a 10-year-old getting raped. Uh, pretty much all the hosts on Fox News doubted it. Jonathan Turley wrote an article for the New York Post uh, claiming the story was likely fanciful. Uh Glenn Kessler, Tucker, who's Tucker Carlson. Oh yeah, Tucker Carlson. Glenn Kessler, who's not an anti-abortion freak, uh, the the worst fact checker in America, uh, did his Pinocchio's column on this story, saying it was likely not true. The day before the story was confirmed as true, the day before a local news outlet reported that a rapist was charged in Ohio for this, and and the reaction since then. You know, they claim the story wasn't true. Now it's been confirmed true. Uh, these freaks are like, oh, well, we have to prosecute the doctor. The attorney general in Indiana, Todd Rakita, claimed that he would investigate the abortion provider who uh, provided this care to the 10-year-old. He alleged that they uh, didn't do the proper reporting on the abortion. Turns out they did. Everything was above board. We've also got Republicans in the House who are blocking a bill that would allow people to travel across state lines to get an abortion. The bill would also protect doctors who provide the procedure to uh, those who need to travel across state lines. State of Texas is suing the Department of Health and Human Services over a guidance the department issued to emergency room doctors notifying them that if they do not, provide an abortion to save someone's life, then they're likely in violation of the law. The consequences of it are just horrific. Yeah, there was a lot of reporting on the Ohio law that uh, went into effect, I think, 
uh, I want to say three days before this 10-year-old girl needed her um, abortion in Indiana. And um, it was pretty extensive and clear that there was no rape exemption uh, and that there were only two major exemptions uh, prevent the death of uh, the pregnant, uh, whoever's pregnant and the second was to prevent a serious risk of the substantial and irreversible impairment of a major bodily function. And uh, that was uh, enumerated. It was preeclampsia, inevitable abortion, and premature rupture of the membranes. There was no mental health exemption. This fully, you know, fell under the law in terms of like this 10 year old did not have the right to get an abortion in the state of Ohio. It was pretty clear. And rather than just setting their limits on on Google search and seeing what was being said about this heartbeat law, when it was allowed to go into effect, it was passed in 2019, there was a federal injunction on it, and then the injunction was lifted after Dobbs. People were just, oh, let's take the attorney general at his word. Anyway, that 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 kind of I don't know. This is this is just all very dark indeed. My mind has been going to some very dark places this week and uh shit's not good. It will be hard to top them this week. Garbage candidate number 2, John Bolton, we mentioned him earlier in the show. CNN brought him on to Uh, give his analysis on the January 6th hearings and Trump's attempted coup. And here's how Bolton responded. I don't know that I agree with you, to be be, uh, fair, with all due respect. Uh, One doesn't have to be brilliant to attempt a coup. Uh, I disagree with that. As somebody who has helped plan coup d'etat, not here, but, you know, other places, uh, it takes a lot of work. And that's not what he did. Okay, and now (laughs) later on, uh, Tapper did follow up and ask Bolton what he was referring to, and Bolton said Venezuela. When we were talking about what is capable, what you need to do to be able to plan a coup, and you you cited your expertise having planned coups. I'm not going to get into the specifics, but... Uh, Successful coups? Well, I wrote about Venezuela in uh, in the book, and uh, it, it turned out not to be successful. Not that we had all that much to do with it, but I saw what it took for an opposition to try and overturn an illegally elected president and they failed the notion that donald trump was half as competent as the venezuelan opposition is laughable but i think there's another i feel like you're this other stuff you're not telling me though i think i'm sure there is okay so that would constitute a failed coup that uh that bolton was a part of i guess you could also argue he might have been involved in the coup in bolivia in which the oas attempted uh or did oust the uh, legitimately elected government there and back a a military junta for a bit, uh, leading Bolivia, um, which then gave way to a new democratic government, left-leaning government. So that would be, I guess, another quasi-failed coup that uh, Bolton was a part of. So I'm I'm not really sure what his point was, is that you don't have to be, you can't be stupid to plan coups because I did it, and by the way, I I did not succeed and was thoroughly humiliated. And now Juan Guaido basically gets pantsed and wedged like everywhere he goes in Venezuela. 
It really but is I'm smart. Un- it really is unclear what his point was other than wanting to uh, defend the coup plotters and say that Trump is not like them. The, um, the, the true class of coup plotters in the U.S., we're not letting Trump in the club. Unlike Trump, our coups, well, our coups fail too, but uh, they don't, you know, the, we, we can't let him they, in the club. But they, they fail with dignity and honor. Of course, there was uh, someone else in the uh, coup plotter club who doesn't want John Bolton in that club. And that's John Cipher, who's on Twitter, a former CIA agent who immediately was pissed at Bolton for claiming that he was plotting coups, saying, no, no, Bolton doesn't do the coups. I do the coups. (laughs) It's a sick country. People are just out here can admit and write books and go on TV and talk about, you know, gross violations of humanity breaking international law they can just admit to it nothing will happen to them in the united states and they can just go ahead and travel and go on vacation and shit nothing happens to them rules-based order rules-based order rules-based order garbage can number three the uvalde police it's been a few weeks since we mentioned them uh bringing them back here because surveillance video was released from inside rob elementary school the day of the the shooting Cops sure did wait 77 minutes before they uh, entered the room and took down the shooter. Uh, It's really disturbing to watch the video to see the things they did while they waited. Saw one cop check his phone. Phone had a uh, Punisher logo as the lock screen. Saw another uh, cop uh, take the time to sanitize their hands. All the while, you hear gunshots from this classroom. You know, children are calling 911, begging cops to move in. Cops are there with riot shields, with all the gear they need to move in. But they wait 77 minutes. Who knows how many kids, if any of the teachers bled out in that time that could have been saved. Hey, well, when the uh, delay was initially reported and the cops were being shifty about what was going on, people said that, it was likely the cops actually shot and killed several of the kids, and that didn't turn out to be true yet. So they have that going for them. You can't you can't accidentally shoot a kid when you're just thumbing through your Punisher screen iPhone uh, while a massacre goes on in the next room. Garbage candidate number four, the Musk family. Shit's weird here. I don't even I don't even really want to get into it that much. Elon Musk's dad had a kid with his stepdaughter. A second kid. A second kid. Wait, what? They've had two yeah, kids? Was, yeah, that was it, it was the the other one was known about and this was this was another uh uh this was a secret kid. Oh. Secret kid with this with your stepdaughter. Yes. I mean, if you're if you're having relations with your stepdaughter and have already had one kid, what's the point of keeping a secret kid? All there is nothing left to keep secret here. Everything's out in the open at this point. He didn't want to beat a uh, uh, Woody Allen's high score, maybe. In Musk's defense, Elon's dis- defense, he's apparently estranged from his father. Although uh, Elon uh, does have his own share of secret kids. Uh, Elon's also uh, getting sued by Twitter. 
the uh, lawsuits dropped this week. Pretty funny to flip through and see all of Elon Musk's tweets referenced that were in violation of the uh, Twitter deal. Yeah, uh, people were saying that, oh, Elon is just going to burn through a billion dollars by walking away from this deal. Well, he might actually burn several billion dollars, several dozens of billions of dollars. We can only hope. We can only hope. Garbage candidate number five, Rui Teixeira. Politico profiled this guy, who is a long-term employee at the liberal think tank, the Center for American Progress. He's since left CAP and is joining the right-wing think tank, the American Enterprise Institute, because he claims that the left has gone too woke. Just going to read from the Politico piece, quote, here to share it, call it CAP and the rest of Washington's institution-based left stopped being a place where he could do the work he wanted. The reason, he says, is that the relentless focus on race, gender, and identity in historically liberal foundations and think tanks has made it hard to do work that looks at society through other prisms. He says, quote, my perspective is the single most important thing to focus on in the social system is the economic system. System, It's class. I'm just a social Democrat, man, trying to make the world a better place. Which is why he's going to work at AEI. Politico notes that during the interview, they're sitting in AEI's elegantly furnished library. Down the hall, there's a boisterous event celebrating the conservative intellectual Harvey Mansfield. William Crystal, clad in a suit, has just left the room. Uh, they're surrounded by books by leading conservative intellectuals. These guys always say they're centering class, but they're not. They're centering their grievance with liberals and thus drifting toward reactionaries. Look, he uh, he is clearly a class reductionist, and um, that's why he joined AEI to reduce the working class to, um, you know, a fine paste. <laughs> yes, in that way, he is certainly a class reductionist. <laughs> Garbage candidate number six, Leanna Wynn, my most hated doctor. New COVID variant, same old article from when she writes for the Washington Post, quote, a new variant of the coronavirus, even more contagious than the previous strands, is now dominant in the United States. But rising cases should not prompt calls for most Americans to hunker down or policymakers to reimpose restrictions. Instead, the rapid spread of the BA5 Omicron subvariant is a window into what the future with coronavirus looks like. Well, I hate it. Even Oh, my God. Even if people, and I cannot believe this needs saying at this point, two and a half years into this, but even if people are not dying of this thing, people are still needing to go to the hospital to get treatment. Hospitals are clogging up, and uh, people are dying of other things because there are no hospital beds. How many millions, how many millions do we have to see die before Leanna Wen's like, you know what? Maybe a maybe a modest lockdown's okay. There is no number. I don't know if I don't know if there's a ceiling. I don't think I there honestly is. don't know. I don't think there is. All right. Leanna Wen, Rui Teixeira, the Musk family, Uvalde police, John Bolton, and anti abortion freaks. I mean, I think we're down to the anti abortion freaks or Uvalde police here. I would like to throw Rui Teixeira in just because he's a really annoy annoying prick, just a real weasel this week. But uh, I don't think his his crimes against humanity rank up there with the Uvalde police and the anti-abortion freaks. 
Well, I know we, uh, threw the Supreme Court in when Dobbs came out. We could continue with that. Did we throw the Uvalde police in? I can't remember at this point. I, I don't know where I'm going with either of those things. I'm sure we did. Maybe we didn't. Um... Uh, this it's might be to, this might be our so last hard. chance to throw the Uvalde police in uh, before that place gets disbanded or something. Uh, we'll have Let's plenty of uh, opportunities to throw the anti-abortion freaks in in the coming weeks. Unfortunately, Let's get them. <laughs> Let's get their asses. Uvalde, Uvalde police, police, you are going in the, the garbage, garbage can. can. Oh shit. Uh oh. Well, at least while you're in the garbage can, your wife and kids will be safe. <laughs> that is the show. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. We're here in D.C. so you don't have to be.